What's up, everyone? On today's episode, I sit down with a good friend of mine, Makara Tullock. Makara serves as an elder for Raymer Christian Ministries, as well as he's their youth and young adult leader for their plugged-in events. When Makara is not encouraging his audience from the pulpit, you can find him on the basketball court, where he's known to have some pretty impressive moves. Let's dive into our conversation. So I've had the opportunity to hear you speak. You do excellent at that. But what gave you the courage to make the decision to start preaching? Mm, uh, that's a great question. That's a very great question. Um, so, like, I would say that I've known, I've kind of perceived that God has been calling me into the ministry from as young as the age of maybe eight, eight or nine. Um, but, like, when you're, when you're so young, right, you know, you'll, 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 get the, you'll get the idea, like, God will give it to you or somebody. I think for me, the first time I had discovered it, um, I was in a, I was in a worship service in church and, um, I was in prayer and yes. then somebody, I guess the Lord gave somebody a word and then they went up to my, to my, to my mother and I, mm-hmm. and they just said, you know, God is calling, God is calling him to be a preacher. And of course, when you're young, you know, you hear it, but then you're like, okay, okay. <laughs> but if, if, if this is what God is going to call me to do, then, you know, there's going to be some confirmation at some point. And I was, I was, I was around eight or nine. So you hear it and then. You just continue to do eight or nine year old things. Yes. But I found that as I grew a little older, um, the desire, like God, God began to place the desire on my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said before um, that typically, like if God is calling you into the ministry, there, there will be external, um, there will be external confirmation as well as the internal, um, the internal uh, confirmation. So other people can identify it, but there will also be a work that God is doing on the inside of you um, that, that leads you in that direction. Because I yeah. think if, if, if it's one or the other, like somebody can say you're called to do this, but if there's not really that internal push toward that, then you have to really question whether or not that is for you. I mean, yeah. people may want it to be for you, but you have to question whether or not that's really where God wants you to be. And if you're the only one that has that desire, like you're you're actively pursuing the ministry or pursuing the preaching ministry, but there's nobody else around you that can really see or confirm that, then um I would say that it's, I would say that you should pray for some more clarity as to whether or not that's where God wants you to go. But for me, it was a, it was a, um, I found that there was a connection between both the external, um, the external confirmation and not just from that lady, but from others as well as I was growing. And, um, you know, God was doing an internal work in me, but the challenge that I had was around, it was around the age of 16 that I really desired to go deeper in my walk with God, um, yes. deeper in my study of the scriptures. But I was an extreme introvert, man. I don't know if you <laughs> back in those days, but I was extremely <laughs> introverted. So I had this idea that, like, I, I had this knowledge that God was calling me into ministry. Um, I had received the external, uh, the, the external confirmation time and time again. And I knew that there was an, an internal work that he was doing. But for me, the challenge was not really knowing how I could, how I could go from being where I was to where I felt God was calling me to be. Because that most of the preachers that I would see, most of the examples that I had, at least, at least externally, they seemed to be very extroverted personalities, and um, I just didn't really know how. <laughs> I knew that God was capable. I didn't really doubt his. I didn't really doubt um, that he was capable of calling me to do it and enabling me to do it. But I just didn't know how someone like me could be fit for a role like that, being such an introverted personality. Um, but you know, like over time and just growing involving myself in campus ministries and university and things of that nature i found that god naturally naturally pulled me out of my shell a little more to some degree i still am an introvert 
but I would say I'm more, <laughs> I would say I'm more of an ambivert now. So I'm able to, I'm able to navigate, you know, I have my times where I'm a little more introverted, but when, when needed, like I, I can, I can be the extrovert that I need to be in moments like that. But I've realized that there's freedom in knowing that you don't necessarily have to be a particular personality type. God can use you just the way that you are. So if there is anyone listening who may feel called, but um, question whether or not they're fully ready or capable because of the way that they're wired, I think God has wired you the way that you're wired so that you can bring a different expression to what ministry looks like. So I would say it took, it took time, but yes. um, yeah, man, like God, God has really given me that confidence to, to go forth in what he's calling me to do. Well, you 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 saw it well, matter of fact. You don't you never look like you're introverted, but I I guess you know, that's what they say. Some of the greatest performers, or oh, you do hear that a lot of pastors are introverted. You know, so mm. I think how you how God has um you know made you and why as you said um most people probably when they meet you because they wouldn't even see that you are introverted. So I liked how you said that and going off the part of their internal journey you that you were talking about. Um, with that journey, what have the journey of ministry taught you since now that you've stepped into it and this is what you feel you're going to be doing to touch the hearts of people around the world with the message of the gospel? Oh, man, that's a great question as well. Um, so I would say that I still have, I still have a lot of ways to go. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I've been in the preaching ministry now for about, about two, almost, almost two years, almost nice. two years. Nice, man. But, um, I think, it, I think it's really taught me the importance of the importance of being intentional and study. Because although there are times that you are, um, although there are times that you are invited to speak or to preach or to, to share a word at, at various places, there are also times where you may just show up and unannounced or unplanned, you know, there's an expectation for a word to be released. So I would say that there's always, um, there's always a need to, there's always a need to be spending time with, spending time with the word, spending time in study, spending time just learning. And not even just, not even just spending time in the word alone, but also also being aware of what's going on in your city, being aware of what's going on, um, being aware of what's going on in the news. Cause I think the biggest question that people have, especially young people, cause I find that I work mostly with, um, with, millenni with millennials and generation Z yes. is that there's a desire to know how the scripture informs their life as, as youth and as young adults today. And mm. I think you need to have, I think you need to have your eyes in the word, but you also need to have an ear to the culture so that you're able to speak effectively to the issues and to the needs of the time. So I, I think it's taught me that um, you need to really just, need, you need to continually seek, um, continually, continually seek God, not just to, not just to speak a word, because it's easy to do. It's easier to do that than it is to have a relationship, a day-to-day -day relationship. But I think with any good relationship, whether it's with your fiance, whether it's with your wife, your girlfriend, I think mm -hmm. any healthy relationship requires communication and it requires time. So um, as, a, as a young preacher, I would say one of the most important things that being in the ministry has taught me is just the importance of spending time with God continually, because you never know when you'll have to, when you'll have to share a word with somebody. Sometimes it's in conversation. Sometimes you'll show up in an event and they might just ask you on the spot. We want you to, we want you to speak tonight. But uh, <laughs> I think just constantly being ready, constantly being prepared and keeping an ear to what's going on so that you're able to not only just speak a word, but speak a relevant word to the issues and to the times. Yep. I, no, I, I think what you said, um, every, every, everything I agree. And I like how you, um, I, what I want to know is when you said something when you show up to these events, sometimes people could um, just ask you to, you know, preach or speak on the spot. Now, the spot, man. <laughs> how is that? And I guess for, you know, because I have listeners that who might want to be motivational speakers, might want to be, you know, like yourself, 
um, mm-hmm. be great communicators with the gospel. But how could someone that they feel want to be in front of people and according to how could they capture audience attention? Or how, what do you do when you go up on stage and you see eyes looking at you? Like, how, how do you do all that, man? I, I would say it's two things. So, A, don't be afraid of their faces. Mm. Um, because I think sometimes, especially starting out, it can be a little intimidating. Um, depending on depending on the, the level of experience that you have with public speaking. But yes. sometimes what I've come to realize is that sometimes it may look as though they're not engaged. Or it may look as though, especially depending on where you come from, because for me, the <laughs> church context that I came from was, um, you know, like when, the, when, when, when somebody is speaking or when somebody's preaching and it gets good, people will stand up, people will clap. Um, yes. You, know, you, kind of gauge, you kind of gauge the effectiveness of your delivery based on the responses of the people. But what I had to find was that different cultures and different contexts respond differently. So there would be there would be some settings that I would that I would speak in, and people would be sitting and taking notes, and I would look at their faces and like there there would be limited clapping. It wouldn't look (laughs) as though they were as engaged as I would have expected. But then after I would realize, just in conversation with them, that the word really did hit home. So I would say, Mm. don't be afraid of the faces of people because their faces may not look the way that you expect them to look, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not receiving what you're saying. And secondly, I would say it's also important to try your best to connect, whether it's through the words that you say, whether it's through how that you say, how how it is that you say things. So sometimes Mm. slowing down on certain words, emphasizing certain words a little more, trying to make eye contact. Of course, you can't make eye contact with everyone, depending on how large the uh, the audience is, but I would say yes. trying to ensure that there's a connection there. So you're not just you're not just speaking words, or you're not just um, giving a speech or giving a message, but you're really because I think I think the beauty of I think the beauty of communication is mm. the ability to connect. So mm. in order to capture the audience, as you're delivering the word, as you're speaking the word, as you're preaching the word, as you're giving a motivational speech or talk, you're being intentional in trying to connect with the audience. Because I think that's the most beautiful experience, especially for those who come, uh, feeling that the preacher or feeling that the speaker was speaking directly to them. And I think that comes with being intentional about how you convey certain things and being intentional about connecting with your audience, whether through your eyes, whether through your body language, because everything speaks. Sometimes we think it's just the words that speak, but our body <laughs> language speaks, our gestures speak, our yeah. eye contact speaks. So I think it's really encompassing the entire um, encompassing, encompassing all of you into the into the speaking or the preaching experience to make to make it the most effective for those who, uh, for those who are in attendance. Yeah, no, it's so true because um, I went to York University mm-hmm. and um, I I was in the field department. And I think even you say yes, you could. I like to look at people when I'm talking. I always look at people's eyes, or if I'm in church, I like to look at the preacher, or if I'm. Um, so anyway, what I was going to say is I had to do I had to do this monologue and. I used to always feel I had to look at someone in the eyes or um, I noticed if my eye contact was strong, but not my body language, I'll feel that the audience wasn't as receptive to what I was doing. So I love mm-hmm. what you say is, yes, you could look at people, but at the same time, I think it's even in the posture. And as we know, like that we could do all things through Christ. I think we even have that posture, like, yo, right, I'm right, here right. to speak where I'm here to make an impact on you. I think that's when you truly come off authentic and mm-hmm. you're being yourself and you, and you connect more with people, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, man. Absolutely. And I would say also just, 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 um, that confidence word is key, you know, being confident in being confident in God. Yes. But also being confident in who he's called you to be, especially in that mm. moment. So if he's given you a word to say, um, be confident in what it is that you're delivering. It may not be for everyone, but there's someone like I believe wholeheartedly that there's always someone that needs to hear the message that it is delivered. And sometimes 
um, especially as young preachers, young speakers, you can be discouraged um, because you don't really, you, you may not always feel that the word is for everyone, but the word doesn't have to be for everyone. Mm. I think just being, in being intentional and so provided that provided that in your preparation, especially especially speaking to uh, to preachers now, like if yes. you've really kind of been prayerful and been intentional in study and you felt that this is what God was leading you to say in this moment, be confident in that. Because there have been moments, honestly, if I could be <laughs> totally vulnerable and transparent, where I've <laughs> preached, I've spoken, and I felt horrible after because I didn't mm. really, I didn't really, I didn't really know if it connected. And sometimes, especially when you're young, the the, the biggest thing you want to hear is you know you don't really want to hear any. It's not so much the affirmation or anything like that, but you just want to know that what you spoke in that moment, it was really it was the right word. And sometimes yeah. the only way that we can know other than through the response of the people is through what they say after, you know, like this spoke to this particular situation or I was dealing with this. But when you don't hear anything, sometimes there's a pressure to think that you didn't really speak. You didn't really speak a word to anybody. You spoke a word, but it didn't really hit. But yeah. there are moments, honestly, that I felt extremely discouraged after, especially when I just started out uh, after preaching. And maybe maybe a week later or a month later, someone would bring up a conversation I would have a conversation with someone and they would reference the message that I preached that I thought was horrible and they're just like man you don't know how much that spoke to my situation or how much that helped me so I would say don't be discouraged you may not always hear how it affects the lives of the people that you're ministering to but okay. be confident in the fact that if God gave you that word and if you run with it there's someone that needs to hear it and eventually I believe you'll 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 hear that conversation and even if you don't own that moment, own what it is that God gave you to say, and just give it your best. And I believe that yeah. once, you, once you do that, man, you'll be fine. Good. No, I, I like what you said. I think the I've noticed in all the people I've interviewed so far, the um, the thing that keeps coming up, I think it's this instant gratification. I like how you said how you work with a lot of, um, you know, if you're a young you work with a, you have a lot of millennials and um, Generation Zs. I think sometimes we may be in a generation that we look so much for validation and stuff, right? So mm -hmm. what I want to ask is, you know, why do you think we try to fit in so much with others who may never accept us? Or even going back like, to the relationship thing, if, if it's that fiance, if it's that girlfriend, even if it's a group of friends, or you could be in business or in ministry, why do you think we try to like fit in to, um, with others who may, never, either, who may never accept us or we know we're not going to gain that friendship from? I think naturally there's there's this internal desire to be to be affirmed and to be liked. And even though we know mm. that people don't like us, I think there's okay. a desire to try to make them like us. So there's this belief that we have that maybe <sighs> if we maybe if we don't speak like this or maybe if we don't act like this, uh, maybe mm -hmm. if we don't do things in this manner, then the people that don't like us will like us. But okay. I've come to the I've come to the to the freeing revelation that people that don't like you will just not they're just not gonna like you and there's nothing that you can yeah. do about that <laughs> people, it's true <laughs> people are free to like who they like and not like yep. who they don't like but i think sometimes yep. we, we we actually um we actually downplay who it is that we are or we mm. um we cap what god wants to do through our lives because we're trying to we're, we're trying to live in such a way that we're approved by the people who already made up their mind not to like us. If they've already made up their mind not to like you, um, they're probably not going to like you regardless of what it is that you do. But I would say, <laughs> that's true. I would say that it's important to, to, to understand, especially, um, you know, I can't speak, I can't speak necessarily to everyone with this one, but like, <laughs> if you, if you do have a relationship with God, if you have a relationship with Christ, um, yes. I would say knowing that your affirmation comes from him first, 
Mm. You know, knowing that that validation is found in him first. So even if, even if everyone does not like me, um, I'm already approved. I'm not doing what I do to be approved, but I'm doing what I do to change lives. And I think, I think that's a part of the growth process. But as you grow, like you realize that no longer is it about seeking affirmation or validation, particularly from people that don't like me or even from people who do like me, but understanding that I'm already uh-huh. affirmed, I'm already loved. And I do what I do in order to, to evoke change in the lives of the hearer. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. And, you know, I, I had the privilege earlier to say that, you know, I've, I've come to some come alive event. I mean, plugged in events, right? And you, I think how you capture audiences very well. So, and then not only are you the youth leader at Rama Christian Ministries, you also have been appointed um, an elder. So with getting both of those titles, what are some responsibilities that come from the leadership positions that you've taken on? And the second part to that question is, you know, at what, at what lessons can you share with our listeners who are stepping into their code? Mm, okay. So I would say that um, it's kind of interesting. It's funny enough, I actually I actually tweeted something. Um, maybe, I think it was 2017. And I was okay. looking back at it, and it's crazy how relevant it is to, to where I'm at right now. But I said, spend time with the youth so you're always current. And spend mm. time with the elders so that your wisdom will extend beyond your age. And That's it's, bars. Kind of, it's, kind of, <laughs> it's kind of crazy how that encapsulates my life in this moment two years later, because mm. I would say that um, as, as a leader of youth, as a leader of young adults, you have a responsibility to, um, to, to, to speak God's word in such a way that it relates in, in a way that it connects and it allows people to see themselves in the scriptures, to see themselves in the text. Um, and with that, as I had said earlier, you really need to have an ear to the culture, an ear to what's going on in order to ensure yeah. that that what you're saying is relevant. But also as an elder, um, I'm, 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 I think I'm the youngest elder, like amongst the College of the Elders right now at Rama, And it's, wow. it's, kind of, it's kind of an interesting, it's, in, it's an interesting place to be in because mm-hmm. you're sitting amongst people who are significant, significantly older than you and have so much wisdom. Because I think there's a, there's a level of wisdom that comes with time and with age. There, there, yeah. is, there is some knowledge that does come with education and with mm-hmm. um, institutional study. But I think there's a wisdom that comes with time and with age. And it's such a wonderful thing to glean from those who are a bit older than me, who, to glean from those who have gone before me and, um, you know, hear some of their experiences and learn from them. But it's an interesting place because you kind of stand, you kind of stand between two worlds, I'd like to say, because you're the voice of the elders to the youth, to the youth and to the young adults. But you're also the voice yeah. of the youth and the young adults, the voice of the next generation to the elders. And it kind of puts a pressure on you, but it's a healthy pressure to really stay connected to both worlds and to find ways as best you can, whether it's through the, uh, through the words that you deliver, um, uh-huh. reaching or through speaking, or through just some of the conversations that you might have at the table, finding ways to intentionally bridge them together, bridge the generations together. Because I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes we see our existence as, as, as um, separate. You know, mm. if I'm a millennial, I'm a millennial. So I move with millennials. I hang around millennials. If I'm a Gen Z, I'm a, I hang around Gen Zs. If I'm a baby boomer, if I'm a Generation X, the same thing. Yeah. But I think that I think there's a beauty and there's so much greatness in coming together, um, in the coming together, the, the coming together of generations. Because I think there's a lot of things that we might have to offer that the elders can benefit from and vice versa. There's a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight that they have to offer that the next generation, the generations to come can glean from. So I would say that it's, 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 um, it's a great responsibility. It's a great privilege, I should say, 
And it really kind of pressure, it kind of forces you to be intentional in your hearing. So not only in speaking, I find that like I being an introvert, naturally, I would listen more. But I find yes. now, like you're, you're just you're, you're, you're that much more attentive when you realize that what you're hearing, you have to convey that back to another generation in such a way that they're able to understand it. They're, they're able to make sense of it. They're able to process it well. So, you know, your hearing is essential and listening is key. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I would say that it really it really forces me in every situation, in every conversation to just be intentional in listening. Before I even say stuff, I try to hear people, hear where they're coming from and then speak in such a way that it makes it makes sense both to both to the youth and to the young adults, but also to um, to some of the elders. And it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. man. And I would say that for those who are taking the steps to 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 walk in their purpose or to walk in their calling, I would say that. You know, it, it takes time to get there. There's no arrival. Yes. I think sometimes we see purpose. We see purpose as the arrival to a destination. But purpose mm. is actually in the everyday process, making the day-to-day decisions, um, doing life with God and striving to striving to be your best and maximize each day. Because sometimes yeah. we think that we're not really in purpose until we become a doctor. We're not in purpose until uh, we we get that professional degree. We're not in purpose until we're working in that job that we've always aspired and desired to work in. But purpose yes. is actually the everyday process. So even before you get the degree, you're already in purpose. You have to see yourself. Um, I like to say this, you have to see yourself there before you see yourself there or you'll never see mm. yourself there. Right. So if I have the aspirations to be a business owner, I have to see myself and envision myself as a business owner before I ever become a business owner. Or I'll never become yep. a business owner. You know, that's so true. Yeah. So I, I, I like how you said about the vision part, you know, because you're right. Um, it's like, it's like, you know, the Bible says, you know, faith without works is dead. So, you know, as you said, if you want to be a business owner, if you want to be a preacher, if you want to be a motivational speaker, whatever it is, you have to, yes, go to God. And as you said, see, first see if that's what God's putting in your heart as well, too. Um, you got to put, you got to put actions behind that. And as well, too, you said, I think visualizing is very important, you know, and mm-hmm. I think, um, if more people have done that, and I think sometimes when you do get some time to be alone and just, you know, s- relax, say, you know, God, is this what you want me to do? Yes, yay or nay. But when you have a vision for something, mm-hmm. you take put those actions behind it, and yeah, it's gonna manifest, you know. So um, I I like the vision part where you were saying, man. So you know, I cannot go without talking about your fashion, man. You have a great fashion sense. <laughs> can you tell us? <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your style? Oh man, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. And I, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say, um, I really, I really, I have a, I would, I would say, I have like a bit of a, um, kind of like a preppy flair to the way that I do things. There was a okay. phase that I had where, like, I was just like it was, it was, it was pretty much just like a replication of the 1960s. Like around, nice. like, around maybe 17 or 18, I really, I really started to grow in my love for a lot of the scholars from that 1960s era. I started reading a lot of material, a lot of scholarship from then, and just watching movies. And um, I was greatly inspired by the look, you know, the, the skinny ties, the fitted suits, yep. the fedoras and things of that nature. But I would say now, like, I still I still do have some element of that style to my uh, to my dressing now. But I would say it's, it's a bit it's a bit more of a mix. Like, I'll switch it up every now and again. Um, but there is, I think, consistently like a bit of a a bit of a preppy element to it. Like I kind of, if I, if I can put it like this, I, I kind of like the, I kind of like, you know, you know, Carlton from Fresh Prince. 
Yes, of course. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I kind of see myself as a little bit of Carlton with a mix of Will, you know? Nice. So like, I think that's a good mixture. Yeah, like a little, a little prep, but we still keep it cool, man. We still keep it fresh. Um, nice. Yeah, so I, 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 I kind of like that look. You know, sometimes it's sneakers, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's dress shoes, and mm-hmm. you know, you, you can you can switch it up. Like sometimes there's, sometimes you wear like a a tie on the top jeans on the bottom like it's a it's a good mix but i think consistently a preppy flair man like i really i like I that like carlton and will well i'm definitely a fresh prince of Air fan so I, I like that man so you know talking about sniggers and all this stuff another great thing that i know you're good at is you're a great basketball player i've had the privilege to see you play i've seen you dunk and stuff and we know that now Raps are going to the finals against Golden State Warriors. Yes, so yes, I want sir. to know, as being the fan that you are and a player, mm-hmm. you know, if you were the Raptors head coach, what are the three key points that you tell the players before they face off the Warriors? Actually, the series starts t- tomorrow. So, yeah, what would you tell them, man, in that huddle or before they run out on the court? Hmm. So the first thing I would say is it's 0-0. Zero, zero. This <laughs> game is up for, it's, it's up for grabs. You know, like a lot of people go in thinking the Warriors are the favorite because they've yeah. won twice in a row. But mm-hmm. it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You know, the game, is, the game is up for grabs. Anybody can take it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I would just tell them also, you know, go go hard every single minute that you're on the court. Do not ease up. Because uh, I think one of the things that I've realized about this Raptors team, just watching in um, comparison to some of the teams in the years past, is that this yes. team is really great at coming back. You know, like yes, for, we are for for the first time in a long time, or the first time ever, maybe. Um, we have a player who we have a player in Kawhi Leonard who, even after the team is trailing, he can take the ball in his hands and lead the team back, not only to catch up, but but to actually um, to overtake the opponent and to win. Like you look at Game Five and Game Six of the last, mm-hmm. game, we were trailing significantly, and they came back and they won those games. But I would say with Golden State, you gotta you gotta approach every single minute with the same level of intensity, with the same level of fervor. Because Golden State mm. is not the kind of team that if you allow them to get um, if you allow them to get a big lead, it's gonna be hard to make a comeback. So I would say you yes. gotta approach every single minute of the game with the same level of intensity. Go hard for all forty eight minutes, and mm. uh, yeah, just just really work for it because I really think that they can do it. And then the final thing, have fun. Yeah, fun, you know, like yeah, we've never that's a big one. Yeah, we've never we've never made it this far before. It's amazing Mm -hmm. to make it to the finals, but it doesn't have to end there. Uh, Yep. But have have fun through each moment. Still go for the championship. Go hard each moment of the game. It's zero zero. It's up for grabs for anybody. But have fun throughout the process. Have fun in each of the games, because I think when you have fun, you play your best. You're more inclined to do to do what's natural to you. Because if, if you've been practicing game time shots, if you've been practicing um, for game time delivery, I think you're ready for it. And you've yeah. got to have fun, go out there and do your best, work for it. And honestly, man, I'm, I, I, I think I, I'm going for raps, raps in six. Raps in six, man. That's what you've been saying. Yeah, you know, I, like, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. And I, I like how you say, because you know, I've been watching the Raptors for the last couple of years, too. And I, one thing I like what you said about this team, I just think we could start off a little strong, but then in the middle there, mm-hmm. we get we could lose a little momentum. But you're right, I like, I like how you said how we have a player now that no matter what, if you put the ball in his hand, he's going to be able to drive it to the paint. He's going to shoot. So, um, yeah, man, I think, it, I think the – and the last thing we said about having fun, I think that's the main thing. If we made it this far, 
have fun, execute, and just do what we got to do in the court. That's you know? it, man. That's it. But I'm confident, man. I think I think we got it. A lot of people are questioning whether or not Raptors are ready. They are ready for this. <laughs> no, I believe. I, I think we are too, man. I think we are too. Now, with being, you know, the oldest in your family, um, I, I can relate. Cause I'm, I am an older brother to my sister. You know, we know, you know, being the oldest child in your family it comes with great responsibility. But I want to know what are some benefits of being the oldest sibling? Do you feel? benefits there's a lot you know i think it's i think it's such a wonderful thing watching um watching some of your youngest siblings following like following in some of the um following in some of your footsteps you know yes. and i don't necessarily mean in the same career path or anything like that but like you look mm-hmm. at the way that you might make decisions you look at the way that you might handle certain situations or the way that you ap- yeah. approach certain things and just seeing them seeing them do uh seeing them do similar things and also watching them um being able, being able rather as an older sibling to kind of help guide them through certain things, you know, like yes. you may have experienced certain things when you were their age that you can kind of talk uh, with them about or help walk them through. And it, yes. I think it's, I think it's great, man. There's a, there's a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be an older sibling. It does come with a lot of weight. It does come with a <laughs> lot of responsibility as I'm sure, you know, yes, but yes. It's, a, it's, it's the most rewarding thing to see them, beginning to find their own lane, walk in their own path, and, um, you know, really just being who God has created them to be. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing, nothing more rewarding than that. Nothing more rewarding than that. I, I 100% agree, man, with that. Now, before I let you go, you know, I have to let you give some of our listeners some advice, but the advice that I want you to give them is, what should some of our listeners be doing while they're on their journey of excellence? What should they be doing? Yes. Or, you know, what, what should they be pursuing or mm-hmm. mindset? Like, yeah. You know what? I think the, the, the I'll say, I'll probably say two things. But the first thing I would say is you need to, how, how, how excellent are you being in the everyday things right now? Mm. You know, I think that's an important question because a lot of us aspire towards certain places, aspire towards certain things. And, you know, we, we or of the mindset that once we arrive there, we'll be excellent. But if you're not excellent yeah. in the here and now, there's no certainty that you'll be ready to be excellent when you arrive there, when you arrive at that place. Like one of the one of the people, one of the characters in the scriptures that I'm most inspired by um, mm-hmm. is, is actually Daniel. And the Bible says yes. in Daniel chapter six and three that Daniel he had an excellent spirit, and because of his excellent spirit, it caused him to um, caused him to be promoted. And he was one of the three people that were called by King Darius to oversee the entire kingdom of Babylon. But yeah. because of his excellent spirit, King Darius actually wanted to promote him above that, above that, above that, uh, above that designation to oversee the entire, to be the, to be the uh, overseer, even above the three people that were under him and above the uh, other leaders that were under those leaders. And yeah. Daniel, he never, he never eased up in his excellence, in his commitment to excellence. Like it was not something that he did in order to get to a certain place, but he was unconditionally excellent, I would say. And he was excellent as a young person, which allowed him to be chosen to come to Babylon. He was excellent when he was in Babylon. He was excellent regardless of who the king was. And he was just, he, he really kind of just embodied excellence on a different level. And because of that, mm. he was sought out because of that, he was promoted, but he did not pursue excellence in order for promotion to uh to in order for promotion to be received but promotion found him because he was excellent and i would encourage Mm. every listener to be excellent in the everyday things 
You know, sometimes we do yeah. what we do in order to be seen or in order to be uh, affirmed, as we were talking about earlier, or in order to be sought out. But I think certain things will find you as you commit to yeah. being excellence, as you commit to stewarding well what God has placed in your hands, as you commit to being your best every single day of your life. There are opportunities, mm. there are people, and there are, there, are even, um, there are even, I think, platforms that will find you as you are excellent yeah. and maximizing right here. So that's the first thing I would say making the most of the moment. So if you're in school, if you're studying to get to a certain destination, approach that with everything. If you're working at a certain job, even if it might not be the most ideal, yeah. do your best, be excellent there. Because the worst thing that you want is that after you move on from a place to another place, people from the place that you used to be in, when the people in the new place that you are in ask them about how you were there, they're not able to say anything good about you. They're not able to say that, you know, Cameron was excellent here. Cameron gave his best. Cameron gave his everything. You want people mm -hmm. to be able to speak the same thing regardless of where it is that you are. So I would wow. say be unconditionally excellent in the here and now. Do that today. And the second thing that I would say is be, um, I think God tells Joshua in Joshua 1 to be strong mm -hmm. and to courage. He tells him that four times. And Joshua's stepping into a new place, a new season that he's never, um, he's, he's never really been in this position before. And yeah. sometimes God calls us to be what we have not really been yet. And the question yes. that we often ask is, how can I, like, how can I be courageous in something that I've never done? I'm sure some people yeah. listening, they probably have the desire to be motivational speakers or to be preachers. And it's like, how can I do what I've never done before? Kind of like what I was thinking as a kid. How can I do yeah. this if I'm an introvert? But mm. God, God gives us the instruction. He tells us to be strong and of good courage, but he doesn't necessarily tell us how. But I think the secret is in, really spending time with him. Cause I, I think the, the amount of times that he said, be strong and of good courage to Joshua is worth noting four times, yes. you know? And I think each time that he said it, it's an encouragement, be strong and courageous. I will be with you. Be strong and of good courage. The same way that I was with your predecessor, Moses is the same way that I'll be with you. And I think just knowing who you are in God, spending time with him, spending time in his word and also maximizing and being excellent. You'll realize that although you've never done it before, there's certain things that are in you. There's certain things that you're capable of doing that you'll only see when you get to that next place. So it's, it's certain mm. things that are activated in you, like as you're, as you're going in your journey, because there are certain yes. things that are not really needed necessarily for where we are right now, but it's inside yes. of us and we'll only see them come out as we grow and as we continue to move. But if you fail to move, you'll never really see it activated. Not that it's not there. Ooh. It's there. It's inside of you. You know, you have the ability, Joshua had the ability to be an effective leader, but he had not led in that capacity before. And he didn't realize that he had it until he was actually in it. Because yeah. I think when you're in the position where certain things need to come out of you that are in you, they will come out because they have to come out. But you'll never see it until you move there. So I would say keep moving. Be strong and courageous. Believe in God. Believe in what he's placed inside of you. And yes. maximize every single day that you're living right now. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, I think you said the best, brother. I think that that's so true. It's so true, right? So, um, man, I, I know people are gonna love this conversation. I loved how the the move part three. Right? I think we could sometimes too, um, want all these things, but if you don't put action behind it, you know, how are we really showing God that we're courageous? How are we really showing God that um, we are relying on Him? Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, that, part that, part, part of that is moving, man. Part of that is is taking the step to move. Yeah, that hardest so step true. is the first step, but once you do it, you realize there's some more steps in me.
and I can I can I can take a second step. I can take a third step. And the more that you're stepping is the closer you get to where you're going. Wow. Yeah, that's man. true. That's true. Well, brother, I must say I appreciate you for coming on today, man. You drop, you know, so much knowledge. I know our listeners are going to enjoy this one. And just one more thing before we let you go, where could people find you, um, you know, other on social media or, you know, is there any events that you're going to be preaching at? Um, we would love to, yeah, we would love to find out more, man. Yeah. So um, you can, you can follow me at McCareT on, I think that's my handle on everything, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and yeah, you can find me there on Facebook as well. And usually okay. I'll post, I'll post my events. I'll post my events to my stories or to my page. So you can stay posted yes. with, with me there. Would love to stay in contact with you all. And um, yeah, just stay on that journey to excellence. It's inside of you already, but you got to act mm. to see it work. I want to thank McCare for coming on today's show. If you want to learn more about McCare, follow him on Instagram, which is at T, where he speaks words of wisdom and posts some of the events he'll be speaking at. Remember to follow me, at Cameron Bolden and head over to journeyofexcellence.co to keep up to date with what I'm doing. Lastly, I want to thank my listeners for joining me. I look forward to getting our journey next time. See you later.